0: Hello, and welcome to Beauty and the Arts, a podcast where we discuss beauty as the most excellent story of God's love, and explore the arts as our witness and participation in that love. I'm your host, Sherry Dragovich. I'm the head of the Beauty and Arts Ministry at St. John Lutheran Church here in Roanoke, Virginia. Welcome to the podcast. And I want to welcome my guest co-host back, Ray Forney. Welcome, Ray. Hey, it's good to be back. All right. So we're here on our third episode, our final episode that we're going to do on Horse and His Boy. But never fear, dear listener, we are coming (laughs) back to do another round of host podcasting together when we do Silver Chair. So I'm excited about that. I am too. We're only going to get better at this. (laughs) Yes. Practice makes perfect. That's right. Or permanent. Yeah. There you go. There you go. (laughs) Okay. So we thought before we started this time that we would do a review of where we're at in
1: the story. Yes. I think that would help me stay on track and not go all (laughs) over the place. But I also think maybe it'll help the listener know where we are in the story. Yeah. No, for sure. It's a smart thing to do. And for the silver chair, it might help if they haven't hit those particular parts when they're listening. Like if they're listening to a podcast and they haven't oh, been oh. reading it oh, right. or they're not at that part. <clears throat>
0: right. Exactly. Okay. So we open the story horse and his boy with um, an adventure story. Our narrator, who is CS Lewis is the writer, but also we kind of see him as a narrator too. I think.
1: Yeah, I do. Especially his little cracks at um, yeah. education. Oh which yeah. Are my favorite part.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. So our narrator breaks tells us right off the bat this is an adventure story and it's in a land far south of Narnia, um, where there is during the reign of the Pevensey children. I think I say that word wrong. I think if you're English, you would pronounce the second part harder. Pevenseys. Pevensey. 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 Tomato. Okay. Tomato.
1: <laughs> That's right. We know who we're talking about. We
0: know what we're saying. Um, it begins in this land, Callerman and, and there is this uh, orphan boy, Shasta, who doesn't know he's orphaned, actually. He has a man, Arshish, that he calls his father, but quickly realizes within two to three pages that this man is not his father. Um, he's actually somebody who's getting ready to sell him into slavery. <laughs> I know. And uh, he bumps into the horse. Right. Of the of the Tarkan,
1: right? He and um, he's thinking to himself, "Is this going to be a better than you know my situation now?" And mm-hmm. that's where we meet Bree. Yes, and Bree is like, "No, no, that's a bad idea."
0: Oh, where he's oh, oh t- right, hey. that's right.
1: And so then they come up with this plan together, and they're going to head to Narnia,
0: right? And and Bree, by the way, is. A talking horse. A horse. Oh, right. yes. He's a talking horse who's been a slave. And um, he's been captured <laughs> in Narnia when he was young and was brought down to Kellerman and has right. been a war horse all these years and had to play dumb. Exactly. And he is going to use this opportunity to uh,
1: go head north. Cause right, because he wants to go back as well. He
0: wants to go back. And so Bree is using the boy as his prop, basically. Yeah. yeah. Right? Because yeah. it's it would be... Um, Unusual and not; it would he would be for caught. him to be by
1: himself exactly, right. and it, and it's his motive. motives are not pure. No, not really. I mean, no, not no,
0: not at all. <laughs> so, so they set out and and go out on their journey, and quite quickly, they are brought together, um, in a, a unceremonious way, right. an undesirable way. With two other unlikely companions, another horse and her rider,
1: right, when an Erebus right, and the these lion this lions mm-hmm. bring them together and and they meet up and they start talking and decide they're both trying to head towards Narnia,
0: right, and Erebus's story is far different than. Uh, shastas she knows exactly who she is she's coming from royalty or from high right high levels in the echelons in the the government or whatever right. and um has been told that she's going to marry this old miser <laughs> dude who is an, uh, the grand vizier right and she's having none of it right she we're not going to
1: do that and so she
0: um she was going to kill herself. So, right, she-
1: right, the tw- twice. And right. when, like, in that moment, when gets in the way,
0: right, the horse, when. And
1: mm-hmm. um, she, when it's saying, you know, no, you don't need to do this, they mm-hmm. have a conversation. And that kind of renews Erebus's purpose. And she comes up with this plan and, you know, she writes a letter uh, to, her I father. Guess, to, right, to, right. to throw actually her dad's secretary, one oh, one of the okay. servants mm-hmm. writes it for her. Right. And then uh so she writes the letter saying where she'll be, or and it's supposed to be from the Grand Vizier.
0: Oh yeah, that's right. And, that's right. She
1: fakes the letter. And that's why the the mm-hmm. secretary or her father's servant writes it. Mm-hmm. But um so they decide and they head off and and that. Ultimately brings them together, and then, and so they start to head north for Narnia.
0: But smack in the middle of their way is the grand city of um, Tashban. Tashban, and Tashban. They have all this. They have this big conversation about how, like, they could get around Tashban without going through it. They and and there just is no way, right? Like the the river is too. It just wide. doesn't make it's sense. Not gonna work. So they. Come up with this scheme uh, to go through Tashban as inconspicuously as possible is kind of funny yes exactly Brie throws a fit because he doesn't want his um because he doesn't want his tail cut you know, right cut so they have and, to
1: create these disguises yeah and that is just a humorous part of the story where he's kind of having a little temper tantrum
0: he is having a temper tantrum, temp, and then Erebus is kind of having a temper uh, tantrum of her own and and just you know like oh you this know, is they, beneath me this is beneath me to have to come in like I'm a servant girl I should be up on the on the leader
1: being carried in like right but to her credit she goes along with what she it. does she does and um in with beautiful foreshadowing mm-hmm. from uh we they right before they come in they come up with a plan in case they get separated right and and if, obviously they get separated they get
0: separated in the most crazy of ways right uh Shasta is is mistaken as a Narnian, or the uh, prince of Arkenland, who is there on a visit with the Narnian uh, king and queen, uh, Susan Edmund. and Edmund, yeah. Yeah. right? And so he gets mistaken as Corin, the prince of Arkenland, who's on this trip with them, and the Narnians take him away, and then uh, Erebus well, and then the the, the story splits. So right, they split apart. Right? So we're
1: we're only with Shasta in this moment where he's taken um, by Edmund and Susan, and because they think he's Prince Corin, right? And he overhears some things that are happening, which help him to realize the path when he meets back mm-hmm. up with the rest of his crew, and. In the meantime, like it's separate chapters, but in the meantime, this is all happening at the same mm-hmm. time, uh, Erebus runs into a former friend. Right. Lassaloreen. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> uh, I love the, these names. I know. But They're fun. They're I'm fun. actually curious, this side note, to hear how everybody else pronounces these things when it all comes to be.
0: Oh, I know. And because, and, you know, it's one of those things where you're saying the word in your right, head. Yeah. All like I said it I so read, many times, I can't it's undo Ren it. To me. Yeah. And yeah. it's
1: Lazerlene. So we're talking about the same person. <laughs> we, are, we are talking about the same
0: person. And yeah. I add an extra syllable and Ray takes it out. So Right. <laughs> right. So see cool. you guys. It all works out. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so uh, meanwhile, Erebus has this encounter with Lazaloraine and and jumps into her leader and begs her to help get her out of hide side. her and get her out of the right. city on the other side and and Laza is um, dippy and and flighty, flighty and, 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 and
1: just doesn't seem like a good person or friend and yet she comes through yeah like a champ. She, she does
0: come through like a champ. It's kind of amazing. And the whole time Erebus is looking at her like, oh, why was I friends with this? Bro? Like, how is it that we came together to be friends? But yet they did. They came together and they came together in this situation. And she took her through the palace and they ended up having to hide in the very room that the Tisrock and um
1: uh the, the vi- Grand, Grand Vizier, Vizier
0: and... Uh, Rabadash
1: and his epic meltdown. Yes,
0: his epic meltdown, and and then she through that in their hiding and hearing that conversation, Erebus learned of a whole grand plot of Rabadash to right. ride north and cap- attack attack Arkenland or right. Archenland, however
1: you say I, it. I, I think that's Archenland. Yeah, and okay, we're going it with it. Anvard oh Onward?
0: yeah the, the other city yeah the other city up yeah. north right right, mm-hmm. and then and then go head on to Narnia oh because we need to back up because the whole reason Edmund and Susan are in
1: right is because Susan was thinking I believe about marrying Rabidash, uh, Rabidash. Yeah. and when he was in Narnia he's Behaved in a different way than he is behaving at home.
0: Right. And so now she's seeing him in his true colors and she's horrified and she can't believe that she thought that she was going to do this and she feels responsible for. And so they are hatching a plan and they escape
1: to get out of of
0: Tashban without having to face Rabidash's wrath. Well, Rabidash goes ahead and decides he's going to declare war on everybody. So that he can have Queen Susan because that's all... He's like mad, like a rabid... Right. Like and, a rabid
1: animal. And really. his father just goes along with it. Yeah. He, it almost. Even though he, it, if it works out, it's great. And if it doesn't, he's just going to blame it all on him.
0: Yeah. And because he's got lots of other sons. Right. And Rabidash is the oldest. And usually the oldest is the most impetuous. And right. I mean, like, literally, he's, mm-hmm. he's thinking this. He's like, yeah. well, it would be a shame if I lost this one, but... Sometimes you have to discard the first one because they're a
1: little too impetuous for their own good. Right. So. It's it's this just bizarre scene.
0: <laughs> right. It's kind of weird. So they they the girls um are are hidden through that whole thing. Those guys leave. Erebus and Lazulorene make their way the rest of the way out. Lazulorene gets her out the back door to a right. gate, a water gate, right
1: uh, underneath the city. And then right. I believe the horses the horses were stabled the whole time and. Yep. They end up meeting somewhere and anyhow, they all end up meeting back at the tombs again. Back at the tombs. That's right. And
0: meanwhile, Shast has been kept company by a big, large cat through the night (laughs) who's comforted him because he was quite scared to be alone and was ready to um, head out on his own because he just assumed that uh, Erebus would forget about him. Right. That they left him. That they left him and that he was on his own, which he couldn't have been more wrong about.
1: Exactly. Right.
0: So they all meet up and then now all of them back together again. They've have each of them brings to the table new information and their, their journey now isn't just an escape for them to get north. Right. They have purpose now. They have a, they have a whole nother purpose, purpose. outside of themselves to, um, to go and and, uh, warn King Loon. Right. Of Arkenland and then head on to Narnia to warn them that this attack by Rabadash is imminent and he's bringing all of his forces and this is what he's planning. And when I was going back to look through this to prep for this sort of overview, I realized that um it's interesting that Bree, Bree is the one who leads the charge right. of the group to go warn King Loon and yet He's the one that nearly causes them to right mess up the whole thing or Doesn't miss. Doesn't he want the whole... to take a
1: rest or At,
0: right? So he wants to. He refuse So they they have to go through the desert, which is hot right. and hard, and it takes them a long time. And they're exhausted by the time they reach that that oasis, which right. is sort of a dip, a crack in the. So
1: where the- a river yep. or something. There's like
0: a stream that yeah. opens up and opens up into more water, river, more water. <laughs> I know. And, um, and so they get there, they rest and then, but the idea isn't to sleep because they've got to keep going. Right. But instead, you know, Bree is like insistent. Oh no, just a little rest, whatever. And Shasta says, no, I really shouldn't. And Win's the only one who really like is like, no, mm. we we must go on. But then everyone like falls asleep. Sleep, right? And when they wake up, it's it's far into the morning, right? And um, you know, Erebus is mad at herself. I thought this was interesting. Erebus is mad at herself because she feels like of all of them, she should have been the one to have the most uh,
1: discipline. To right, um. To keep them going, right? I, I, I. Thought she that was, and Brie are so similar. They are in some ways through yeah. different parts, and then this is the part I can't remember perfectly. They, um, as their. Heading out of the desert, I can't remember if they're being chased by Rabidash or. No, but I mean before the oh. lions show up that chase them to the hermit.
0: No, Rabidash. Yeah, no. So they they start to head on and they head up out of that valley and and into the greener Arkan land. Right, right, like right, Sort of the pass, right? Uh huh. And when they hit up up to a top where they can look out a vista. And Shasta turns around and looks behind him and sees this cloud of dust. That's right, that's right. And he, but there's no wind, so he can't figure out why there would be this cloud of dust. And then he figures out, a wind I think is the one that, and sees the glints of metal on the sun and recognizes it's Ash's army. Right. And then from there, they Start ru- running. They start going fast, right. and and right, and as they're going is when the lion shows up again, right, and starts chasing them because they're all thinking they're going as fast as they can, or winds like go go go, and but they really, feel like they can't, they can't quite. go quite anymore fast, but really, magically they could once, especially Bree, once the lion began chasing them and Shasta recognizes that the lion is coming up hard behind Bree and Erebus and is getting ready to attack Erebus, and he freaks out and yells
1: at, at Bree to turn around. You know what I found fascinating? There's this one part, I missed it the first several times I read, where he's telling Bree to slow down, to turn around, and so um, Shasta turns around, and... And then there's this one line from the narrator that says, "Bree never heard that."
0: Yes, and we and Bree's an honest horse, so we have yes, to take his, his word
1: for it. it. We're gonna take his word for it. I know, and I I just I, I don't have anything profound to say about it or anything like that. I just thought it was interesting that I never saw it before.
0: Yeah, I think it's just an example of giving grace where you can. Mm-hmm. Always be gracious where you can be gracious, right? Like, right. What, what point? It does no good. It serves nothing. It serves no purpose to, 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 to insist to breathe that he heard it or to like question him on that, right?
1: Well, and it's also a good lesson for us to, like, you don't kick somebody when they're down.
0: Yeah, right. Exactly. No. Exactly. And so, and so Shasta, because he can't, um, Won't turn around. Shasta does this crazy thing and jumps off of the which it's like, What are you doing? I know, which is insane. And um, goes backwards, starts running backwards toward the lion, yelling at the lion to go home,
1: go home, lion, go home. And then you just like the mental picture of that because the lions are described as so large, or the lion is described as so large, taller than the horse. And like, it's such a powerful moment for Shasta. Yeah. That he just without even thinking is trying to save her. Right. And then, and then, you know, she's scratched Mm -hmm. by the lion and, uh, er air or not air Um, Shasta runs through the gate door at -hmm. the hermit and, um, and then does the hermit come out and
0: the hermit's standing there at the door welcoming them in and then they shut the door. The lion had run away by that point. That's he did right, he right. Shasta, actually. Like he woke up, like Shasta yelled at him. He a- kind of like shakes himself, like he wakes up from a dream or something and mm-hmm. rolls around and turns and, and runs runs tail backwards. Right. So, um and that's kind of where we well, there's I mean that's that's still ch- chapter ten then Is it still chapter 10, I guess? Uh, That's where we left off, Right, and
1: I I think in chapter 10, you know, they get there. uh, He helps Erebus, the hermit helps Erebus in, and then Shasta's exhausted, and he's like, you've got to go. Yeah, he doesn't
0: give Shasta any time.
1: Right, you just have to head straight. I love that part where he's like, just no matter what the landscape is, you need to go straight, and you need to run, run, run.
0: Yeah, so I, I I noted that part um, on our both of our books. It's page one forty six, um, where he said where he said uh, Shasta's heart fainted at these the hermit's words. He had not yet learned if you do one good deed, your oh, reward I know. usually is to be set to do another, uh, rather harder, another ha- and harder and better one. But all he said out loud is was. Where is the king? Right, And, you know, of course, I went straight to thinking about um, uh, not even I went back and I looked this up in scripture and I was like, well, there's two two different things that makes me think of in scripture it's the to whom much is given, much is expected.
1: Yeah, that's what.
0: Yeah. And um, and I and I looked up the context of that when Jesus was talking, it was. It, the context of that didn't quite fit as well, and I wish I would have remembered the uh to write down the the scripture reference mm-hmm. of it but it really fits you know in some ways it fits Matthew 25 the the parable the parable of the talents oh where yeah so because we think of that as like well the 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 uh workers who were did well with the talents and multiplied them were given more talents, which ultimately is more responsibility. Right. Right. So they even had more to do well with. Now the king the king's or the owner's response to them was come and enter into the joy of the Lord or mm-hmm. into the joy of your master's house. And that is a joyful thing, right? But it doesn't always I think it's playing on that word joy too, of what what we see as being joy.
1: Well, and I also think that it's interesting to note like at this point um Shasta doesn't really know who Aslan is no he he has not come to know Aslan and so when we think of um the world and when I like you hear this often in in the work world if you do something well you end up having to do more Uh and and this person and that person and it's frustrating but when you think of it in relation to the bible and and christ all right i am getting these things but i need to find joy and joy does not necessarily mean i'm happy about it Mm -mm. but i get to -hmm. do this rather than i have to do this Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and and with shasta he he gets to try and go warn the king mm-hmm. it which brings about much happiness mm-hmm. in the end right while he doesn't know it yet right but it, it you know it's just re- reframing how you look at something right exactly so I want to go I
0: want to go to um the unwelcome the unwelcome traveler. Okay, mm-hmm. so we know that Shasta meets up with King Loon right away. Right. And the king obviously mistakes him for his son, Yes. Corin, Yeah. And at this point, you're like, okay, <laughs> the king knows his kid, right? Right. Like the king knows what his kid looks like. So if, if Shasta looks just like his kid, I mean, clearly.
1: But and he knows he had twins.
0: Yeah, and he <laughs> knows he had twins. Right? right. Exactly. And that one of them was lost. Yeah. So uh, at this point, you're you're just thinking. Oh, for Pete's sake! Obviously, the shasta <laughs> is not, obviously shasta is not who is 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 this king's son or you know an heir or some kind of royal. Well, and that it's, he doesn't know. It,
1: it speaks to the fact that he he gets there. He's out of breath. He's talking to them and he's warning them, and they trust him.
0: Yeah, yeah. The king where immediately you, trusts him. Where right? you just
1: normally wouldn't trust a kid.
0: It still it cracks me up that Shasta is like, no, I know I look, <laughs> look like, like your, right I know now. I look like your son, but I'm not, I, I'm not him. Right. And it's still Shasta's not quite curious about why the heck. He
1: right. It's so like. Similar. Anyway, like, haven't you picked up on this? I but know.
0: No. So anyway, um, you go ahead and lead us in this. In so this.
1: so they he meets up with King Loon. He tells them the. Um, you know what's happening they decide that they're going to ha- head back to uh, uh Anvard mm-hmm. and so they start to proceed up the mountain mm-hmm. and um as they are proceeding up the mountain the fog rolls in he he's hearing he's he can tell that he's being separated further and further from the rest of the group because mm-hmm. of sounds and then all of a sudden he is by himself he is yet again and he starts to have like this little meltdown which i think is fair in this moment yes and he um he you know he's talking about how um all these bad things have happened to him and is it on page i'm trying to remember uh he's he's just having like a a little petty party for himself and then i think he gets to the part where he sees the the two roads mm-hmm. have i skipped anything uh uh-uh, uh not really no and,
0: uh other i mean just the idea that Shasta gets separated he, they give him a horse to ride right. so he's on horseback and they see him get up on this horse and see how he carries himself and they're like Oh, just like royalty, right? right. Just like he, and he carries himself so well. So they take off thinking he's, he he knows what he's doing doing and he he doesn't. He doesn't because he's never led Bree. Bree's all, he's always held the reins in his hand, but never actually led Bree. So he has no idea
1: how to lead a horse,
0: how to ride a horse and lead it.
1: And, and so the, uh, and I hope I have the order of events, right? Mm -hmm. But so the, there's the fog and I, maybe the fog is just setting in i i can't remember but he comes to this this path and in and, and it forks off and there's mm-hmm. two roads right and he just doesn't know which one to take mm-hmm. and um and so he ends up deciding to go to the right and then he hears Rabidash and the rest of them and he kind of hides and he overhears all of the things that they're talking about and um which is divine intervention yeah and because he's learning more of the story that had he been with the group he wouldn't have heard but there but what stood out to me in this section is the the two paths and not knowing which way to go and i just could not think of anything other than robert Frost's poem uh was it the road the two roads diverged right. in the yellow wood and uh the yeah. road not taken yeah the road and not taken and so mm-hmm. the last stanza and you know i remember it from a kid i liked it anyway if uh-huh. if you have not read it for those of you at home you should it's beautiful but the last stanza is um, I shall be telling this with a sigh. Somewhere ages and ages hence, two roads diverged in the wood, and I, I took the one less traveled by. And that made all the difference.
0: Did you know that I have that painted on my hallway? No. I'll show you after we're done. Oh, that's Yeah, a- yeah I have that line painted in my hallway as wall art. It's like takes up the whole hallway. I just love it <laughs> I, so much. I can't much. believe I didn't know yeah, that. Yeah, you didn't know that. No.
1: And, but, but wow uh-huh. because this is that moment it is. And, and it makes all the difference it does and he walks
0: and he's and it's and there and the whole scene is filled again you know you've talked before at the beginning about silence at the very right. beginning so this whole scene is filled with this these all these sensory elements that are just so powerful there's all the silence um there's, it's dark. It's right. It's so dark. He can't,
1: he can't see, see where he's going. He can't um,
0: see where he's going. He's on a mountain side. And he's on a horse. On a horse.
1: And he starts to feel, I mean, we've all had that moment where something just feels wrong or right. off. And, and I was stunned at how long he kept riding and doesn't say anything like, does? I mean, I talk to myself out loud when I'm freaked out. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I just like the line where it, it's where, um, well, he's having his little pity part. Like mm-hmm. I said, this is where he's having his pity party and all the things in the world that have gone wrong for him. And then Aslan shows up. Shows up. Yeah. And he shows up as a thing. Right.
0: This, this presence, right? This thing. And it's, and, and the funny thing is, is that Shasta feels his presence for a really long time right before he says anything
1: well and and at the same time his presence is different this time because while he is afraid it's not the same loud fear right that it's been all the way up to this point Mm
0: -hmm. yeah so here i'll read the bottom of page 162 into 163 the thing unless it was a unless it was a person, went on beside him so very quietly that Shasta began to hope he had only imagined it. But just as he was becoming quite sure of it, there suddenly came a deep, rich sigh out of the darkness beside him. That couldn't be imagination. Anyway, he had felt the hot breath of that sigh on his chilly left hand. If the horse had been any good, or if he had known how to get any good out of the horse, he would have risked everything on a breakaway and a wild gallop. But he knew he couldn't make that horse gallop. So he went on at a walking pace, and the unseen companion walked and breathed beside him. At last, he could bear it no longer. Who are you? He said, scarcely above a whisper. One who has waited long. For you to speak, said the thing. Its voice was not loud, but very large and deep.
1: I know. I,
0: you know, I read that and I couldn't, help, I, I just thought, oh, the number of times that the Lord is walking alongside of us, just waiting I know for us to speak, for us to call out to him.
1: Well, and all the times that he's he's been beside us and we were so caught up that we saw the things that were happening and not the fact that he was with us while those things were happening.
0: Right. Or what he was protecting us was from, from. Right. Which we find out even later that he that Shasta's when he, when the fog lifts and the sky comes, you know, grays, and he, the sun starts to come up. We see that Shasta sees that he was walking the whole time along the edge of a cliff, right? And that's why the lion's hand—if he was walking up, the lion's hand breathed Breathe on, on his left left hand, hand because the lion was walking on the outside,
1: right? And and then when they start talking, he, you know, he says, "Is this where he?" talking about how unfortunate he's been mm-hmm. and and Aslan says i do not call you unfortunate yeah and he and then that's where a little bit further down on 164 he says i was the lion when he's referring to all these things that Shasta has said. Mm -hmm. And as Shasta gaped with an open mouth and said nothing, the voice continued. I was the lion who forced you to join with Erebus. I was the cat who comforted you among the houses of the dead. I was the lion who drove the jackals from you while you slept. I was the lion who gave the horses the new strength of fear for the last mile so you could, so you should reach King Loon in time. And I was the lion you do not remember who pushed the boat in which you lay a child near death so that it came to a shore where a man sat, wakeful at midnight to receive you. Mm. And so he's been with him the whole time. Mm But I feel like Shasta's at the point where he's at his most broken and willing to, that he, somewhere internally he recognizes something and and speaks and asks. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and then, and, and but, and you notice the very next question he asks, he says, then it was you who wounded Erebus. I know, <laughs> I know. And, and, I, and Aslan doesn't shy. He's like, it was I. But what for, child? Said the voice. I am telling you your story, not hers. I tell no one any story by his own. And then here, of course. Now, did you did you recognize the first time you read this? Did you did you think of the Trinity here?
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, I I I thought of it with the myself, the myself, the myself. And uh-huh. I, I actually I think I recognized it maybe a little bit before on 164 where when he says I was the lion, uh-huh. I wrote out to the side in giant letters, I am the yeah. great I am. Yeah. And um but I I I recognized it, but I didn't normally when I recognize something when I'm close reading that I feel is profound I put it down Mm. and kind of like roll the thoughts around in my Mm -hmm. head and whatnot. And I I don't think, I don't think that I did that until I think it was the very last paragraph of the chapter Mm -hmm. is where I was like, I need to really like put all these thoughts together because how can you not see Christ? I, I, I. Like, that's all I can see.
0: Yeah, and, and in other sources w- that we've looked at together before, you know, this, um, Michael in Michael Ward's book, Planet oh, Narnia, yes. which I think we'll bring in here in just a minute and talk about, but, um, you know, he, he calls it this scene of Shasta's, Conversion, Vision, right? If we we're talking about what a conversion story is, or if that this is a conversion yes. story, here you have this like this is his moment. This is his culminating scene. That this scene in um Horse and His Boy is truly a culminating event within all of the Narniad. Yeah, he calls it really this this um yeah just the high I, the high high
1: point event. Which, right, you know. So, this because do they have? I mean, I know that in the other books that we've read, these moments with Aslan have been profound for all the characters when mm-hmm. they have that one on one moment. But there's just something about this one that I think
0: it's the way that Aslan shows up, um, so. Um, fiercely fiercely and fiercely and yet lovingly I think right. I think we see I think this is where we see um, Mr. and Mrs. Beavers or Mr. Beavers declaration of Aslan being uh, oh, not safe yes. but good yes I, I didn't even that, think about that I think that and as Boy is is the story that gives us that picture of mm-hmm. Aslan being safe but not or good not safe but, but good. good yeah um in it in full relief
1: yes um
0: and and so and again i think the way that lewis i don't know about you like just the way that lewis portrays this mm-hmm. this conversion if you you know to call it that It's so real and it's so beautiful. It's not cloying. It's not trite. There's no cliche
1: to it. Right. Um, It's a kid in his moment. Yeah. A person, a human.
0: Yeah. And and it's the way you could see real life happening when Mm -hmm. we do finally get to that broken point in our own lives where we say, oh, you are God and I am not. Right, like you are like you know you tell me I am yeah myself, 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 and I
1: yep, you sure are <laughs> well and and Shasta recognizes it with no background, no history, no being yeah. taught he he recognizes it, and he's in awe mm-hmm. because um. A little bit further down on one sixty five, Shasta was no longer afraid that the voice belonged to something that would eat him, nor that it was the voice of a ghost, but a new and different sort of trembling came over him. Yet he felt glad too. Mm-hmm. And then he's and then it's just silence. And then there's the silence again. Which this, the, like I said a thousand times, yeah. I think all of us could benefit from some silence every now and then.
0: <laughs> uh yeah. Um, and that, so here, back to Planet Narnia and Michael Ward's book. Okay, so I'm not sure if this is the best place to bring it in. Uh, I think well, it war- well. Okay, so here's so Planet Planet Narnia, Michael Ward's book. If you've been listening to this podcast at all, I'm almost positive I brought in um, Planet Narnia and Ward's uh, theory or thesis of the book, which is that what Narn what Ties all of the Narnia together, all seven books together, isn't some theological idea or um, even uh, scriptural elements or whatever. It's Lewis's understanding of the medieval cosmology, right. the planets. So it's it's the medieval uh, view of the cosmos, and so each book is. Woven through with representations of a particular, a particular planet Planet. or planetary, um, combination. Well, because Luna is one of them and the sun is one and they're not technically planets, but, um, so planetary system, the planetary system. And then the. You know.
1: Well, all together they make a whole.
0: Yes, exactly. And so, but each and so, each, and I'm pretty sure when we were talking about when I was doing Caspian, I think I mentioned that Mars. I think you did. Okay, um, that Mars was the planet that is is expressed throughout, and for Horse and His Boy, it's Mercury. And so Ray and I were having this trying <laughs> this talk before, like, how do we bring in this idea of Mercury because both of us are a little confused, first of all, about how you even explain Mercury. I mean, as Quicksilver that we had to look up and- Oh yeah,
1: we had to do some research. Do some
0: research because we're literary nerds, not science geeks at right. all. So while we understand that, you know, Mercury is what makes the thermometer temperature <laughs> go up and down- That liquidy stuff. That liquidy stuff that, you know, we, we watched some videos on it, but but um, there's all these characteristics of Mercury, both in mythology and in science, that Lewis plays with and combines. And Mercury, as the communicator, the great communicator, right. is one of those is one of those characteristics of Mercury. And as Michael Ward makes this point in his book, I'm going to grab it real
1: quick. Oh. Right, and and. I don't think that Lewis ever said anything about this. This is no, Ward's, right? This is Ward's thesis.
0: hypothesis, yeah. right? Thesis, and but it's it's quite compelling. Um, he talks about that um, the the word, thinking of the communication and the word and Christ being the word, and that um, let's see where do I want to since since God Himself is the word. No other utterance can suffice. That's why I wanted to bring in the silence. The Christian is but one articulation of that word, and it is not from merely human resources, but, quote, by the spirit that we cry, Abba, end quote. Therefore, in true prayer, God speaks to God. The task of the prayer is not to become the increasingly willing participant in the divine. The way the task of the prayer is to become the increasingly willing participant in that divine speech, not by means of quote, psychological gymnastics, end quote, but by the union of our wills, ours with God's, which under grace is reached by a life of sanctity.
1: I I feel like that's what we're seeing in this moment in horse. And his boy, like that is, like this is Shasta calling out to Ava mm-hmm. and and accepting it. And not needing any words. Right. There's no word gymnastics. There doesn't no... need to
0: be word gymnastics in it. And, and when Aslan is, when Shasta is even asking him, who are you? He says, myself. Right. That is enough. I am the word. I right. am myself. I am the... The incarnation of, of who, you know, of who I say I am. Right. And then, and then at the very end of that chapter, when, um, he slips off, luckily Shasta had lived his life too far South in Kellerman to have heard the tales That were whispered in Tashban about the dreadful Narnian demon that appeared in the form of a lion. And of course, he knew none of the true stories about Aslan, the great lion, the son of the emperor over the sea, the king above all high kings in Narnia. But after one glance at the lion's face, he slipped out of the saddle and fell at its feet. He couldn't say anything, but then he didn't want to say anything and he knew he didn't need to say anything. The high king above all kings stooped toward him. Its mane and some strange and solemn perfume that hung about the mane was all around him. It touched his forehead with its tongue. He lifted his face and their eyes met. Then instantly the pale brightness of the mist and the fiery brightness of the lion rolled themselves together into a swirling glory and gathered themselves up and disappeared. He was alone with the horse on a grassy hillside under the blue sky, and there were birds singing.
1: I love that. I love the image of licking. Like it makes me think of, um, you know, when they put the oil on, oil on your mm-hmm. forehead. Yeah. Like just the.
0: Well, I mean, there's that, there's <sighs> baptism. Right. There's, you know. So but speaking of baptism and water, when we move on in chapter right. 12.
1: So he, so, um, Chapter 12 picks up with uh, Shasta asking himself, did I did I just dream this? Mm-hmm. And then he looks out and he sees um, on 167, he says, um, it took one's breath away to think of the weight that could make a footprint like that. This is where he sees the footprint. Mm-hmm. And this is my favorite part. Um, but there was something more remarkable than the size of it about it. As he looked at it, Water had already filled the bottom of it. Soon it was full to the brim and then overflowing, and a little stream was running downhill past him over the grass. Shasta stooped and drank a very long drink, and then he dipped his face in and splashed his head. How can you not see baptism? Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I I get. I mean, I understand if nobody saw it, but when I was reading it, Mm Like this is the whole time I've been reading this, I have been drawn to the word water, mm-hmm. and and it's one of those things as a a close read as um, probably as a teacher noticing repetition. But then this morning, either this morning or yesterday, I googled a PDF of the text of the book so I could just see. I'm like, is this just me? Like, am I just hyper fixated on this? And so I found a PDF and I Googled how many times water shows up. Forty-five times. Yeah, that's crazy. Which
0: back to Planet Narnia. Yes, the whole mercury and liquid state. It looks like like water, water. silver water, right? But doesn't right? It doesn't act like water, right? So Mm -hmm. any pour it out into your palm it congeals together
1: which we don't recommend you doing that at home
0: no and then when you pour it and then from and then from that point when you pour it out into like a dish it separates, separates. it beads it separates but then it can move together right too and then, as you and it in it
1: comes back to one yeah which to me has been this whole story like a separate person yeah they come together they separate, gain new information, mm-hmm. which is pivotal to making the story move forward. Right. And separate. Right. And then come back together.
0: Yeah. And it's the whole idea. And it's the whole idea in the Trinity, too. Right. So, so really, Lewis does this amazing thing where he, <laughs> he expresses Mercury or gives, Gives Mercury expression through this story, mm-hmm. um, using all of these elements of the multiplicity, but yet unity in the multiplicity and the and the um, simulation. Even as they then t- to go out oh, and come, to come back, back in. together, it, it, it's,
1: it's just, beautiful. It is beautiful and cannot be accidental. Whether no, whether he intended. I mean, like who kn- knows if he thought anybody would think of that, but. Mm-hmm. But I can't help but see it, right, when exposed to these other things,
0: right. And I, and there's all these other um, characteristics of Mercury, for example. Mercury is the god of Gemini, and Gemini is the stellar. The co- uh, um, constellation two, of the two, two twins, brothers, right? the twin brothers. Right. Um, I wrote it down on the back page of here. Castor and Pollux. And Castor was the breaker of horses, and Pollux was a renowned boxer. Well, that's was a,
1: core, and, core, and cor-, cor and Corrin.
0: Corrin, corrin right? Yeah. So Shasta, who becomes Cor. Um, and we're kind of jumping ahead. I noticed our time. We're almost oh. at 48 minutes, so that's okay. Yeah. But yeah. Um, uh, Castor... Is represented by Shasta, who becomes Core, right. who is the breaker of horses. But interestingly, it doesn't seem like Shasta breaks Bree at all, except for that he does, right? Because Shasta goes back to save, to try and save Erebus and it breaks breeze it breaks
1: breeze when they right. have their interaction with Aslan. Yeah. and he or in he just notices like that's the thing that like i can't believe this mere human this mm-hmm. boy turned back and i did not turn back right and it's, i believe that's in well we've skipped ahead a well, little we,
0: bit well we that, well and that's okay because honestly to me after Shasta i mean there's breeze whole thing because that happens back you know uh shasta goes on but right. we don't follow we, the narrator doesn't have us follow shasta right away well,
1: and if you even notice like the battle that takes place which yes. is chapter 13 right like i have very little to say about that chapter I, yeah because to me okay. it's just not like the bat they win right the the, mm-hmm. the um uh, Shasta goes on he gets the help of Edmund and Lucy mm-hmm. right and then they head back towards Anvard or, or Anbard whatever mm-hmm. and uh, they almost don't win but obviously they win right and then
0: and Shasta and Corrin end up in the battle, even though they're not supposed to. Right. Cor- and Corrin gets into a boxing match with the dwarf, to, who's supposed to keep him from being in the battle, but he boxes him and ends up. And uh, they
1: survive and it. And they by all accounts, they shouldn't.
0: Right, exactly. They make it through. And then that's, um, you know, Shasta's brought into his princely position of, you know, his rightful place.
1: Right. And, it, it, but that whole piece of the story brings us back to to the hermit and where um brie and and Win and erebus meet Aslan, right because they're watching
0: it from
1: the pool the pool the hermit has
0: the pool open and i noticed that in your notes you said you know you thought it was interesting that they watched the battle that that the narrator has us takes us back there and he and the narrator explicitly says well, it does no good trying to explain this battle from Shasta's point of view because he knows nothing about battles, and he really—it was so chaotic to him, he didn't know what was going on. I thought this was just really magnificent storytelling of, um, uh, of Lewis knowing his characters so well that it knowing that it would make it would be nonsensical to have this battle be in. Sh- from Shasta's, Shasta's point of view, in right. Shasta's us in Shasta's head,
1: telling it that 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 wouldn't make any sense, right? Well, and it's not as important, but yeah, is as, as these interactions with Aslan, right? And, and going back to, I love when when her her interaction with Aslan, I think, is so different than everybody else's. Mm. She just offers herself up. Yeah, she's. I I would rather give myself to you than be eaten or i can't remember what she compares it to and he says to her um oh what does he say he says something about joy shall be yours Mm -hmm. and and hers is just so quick it's like the like this faith of a child you know we both talked at one point about a conversion story yeah yeah and how i don't have this pivotal wonderful like Lightning bolt moment, mm-hmm. and I I resonate with her. Like I just like it. It's it was quiet. Yeah, like there and and just willing. Yes, yeah, just
0: a willingness. Like I remember you telling me that you don't ever really remember a point in your life where you didn't believe. Right,
1: right. I just um and I wasn't necessarily brought up in the church. Mm-hmm. We went here and there. My grandparents, I was baptized as a child. Mm-hmm. Um, but my upbringing was very difficult. Like, mm-hmm. my, my childhood was very difficult. Mm-hmm. And I I guess just from that, I knew there had to be something. Mm-hmm. Like, there had to be. Like, this cannot be. And And I had great comfort in that. Mm-hmm. And... And obviously not until I was older and an adult and um, could I put it all together, Mm -hmm. but I just haven't, I just haven't had that moment of there's nothing there.
0: Yeah, yeah. Or, or, or this like lightning bolt
1: experience of like that was life-altering. life altering
0: life altering. And you said the prayer and all of a sudden you right. Believed and, you know? and, and I not g- to, not to belittle any of those experiences for people who have, but I think, I think the other beauty of this story is how each, each character comes to recognize Aslan is in who their, he is right,
1: in their own way. And,
0: and from the perspective that they need to know him, that there, that is a pivotal aspect of their, character or missing in their character for example Brie I kept thinking of how well I didn't think of this until a few times reading it but really Brie really expresses that Gnostic Gnostic idea of of the incarnate of Aslan you know of of Christ because he he doesn't really he doesn't think that Aslan's real and he right. always he's always thought that Aslan was just, you know It's just the story. The story of the lion that stirs our imagination and gives us courage and
1: and whatever and is just I love the allusion to doubting Thomas. Yes. Where he needs to put your hands on my paw, put mm-hmm. your like that whole scene just yeah. really I would imagine resonates for some people. I think so. Absolutely. And and, and you know, I th- is is it John I wrote it down John 2025 20, maybe 2026 20, is the the verse where he says um he's talking Jesus is talking to Thomas and he says he he allows Thomas to touch him and mm-hmm. and to feel his hands and he says great is the those who have not seen and believe mm-hmm. I, I wrote it down right mm. yeah, can't find it at this moment though,
0: but you but we all know the reference right. I mean yeah. most
1: people who are listening know yeah. know that story and know that that reference and and so it's it, like that I just think that whole part is beautiful, and mm-hmm. then Erebus's story, yeah, oh yeah, and the, yeah, she is
0: on page two o two. And maybe we can kind of sort of wrap up here. Yeah. But um, where she said, um, the scratches on your back, tear for tear, throb for throb. This is Aslan talking. Blood for blood were equal to the stripes laid on the back of your stepmother's slave because of the drugged sleep you cast upon her. You needed to know what it felt like. Yes, sir. Please ask on, my dear, said Aslan. Will any more harm come to her by what I have done? Child, said the lion, I am telling you your story, not hers. No one has told any story but their own. Then he shook his head and spoke in a lighter voice. Be merry, little ones. We shall meet again soon again. But before that, you will have another visitor. Then in one bound, he reached up to the top wall and vanished from their sight. Mm-hmm. Um, I never even. This is embarrassing to admit that I really didn't pay much attention to that part of the story in the beginning when she I did neither. that to the slave girl. I was like, "Oh, that's what it's expect that you know she was treating her how she would treat a and and yeah, was that right? It was it okay? Like I didn't think it was okay, right? Do you know what I mean? But I was kind of like, "Well, that's what." That's what royalty does so to I, slaves.
1: And- I, that's And that's what I started to think about with hers because I was really kind of stuck with that. Mm-hmm. And um, Aslan holds her accountable when her culture would never have held her accountable for what she did. Right. And, and that servant was beaten, mm-hmm. and I, I'm assuming whipped because mm-hmm. of the way he describes it. Mm-hmm. And... And she's repentant. I think. Mm-hmm. Oh,
0: absolutely. She wouldn't have asked what ha- else happened to her. I don't think if she weren't right. repentant. Right. So
1: to understand that our actions have consequences, unintended consequences, mm-hmm. and and again, her culture would have never, or I don't think her culture would have held her accountable.
0: Heavens, no. But it also it also reminds me that that the 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 invisibles. Mm-hmm. In our world, right, the invisibles in our world to us are not the invisibles to the Lord Jesus Christ. And he sees them and he loves them and he calls them by name too. Exactly. And he seeks justice for them. If we if we won't, pray, pray to the Lord that we will be a part of seeking justice right. for them. Um, but he will mete out justice mm-hmm. for them in the end. So praise be to God. Exactly. Well, I think there we could just there's more things that we could talk about, but we did kind of get to the end. We know in the end that um, Shasta, who is now called Kor, marries Erebus, right? And they live happily ever after.
1: I don't. Rabbit turns to a donkey. Oh, that's which right. Is the best Rabidash part.
0: turns to a donkey, and, and we didn't even really get to that, but it's it's a fun that's part. Funny. But also,
1: it's a good it, thing to talk about in the Narnia nights.
0: Oh, that's a good idea. Yeah. You could Yeah, maybe bring it up there. Rabbit yeah. dash and his his attitude. And ju- actually just the juxtaposition too. There's a the juxtaposition. Well, I know. Again.
1: Starting with a donkey. Chapter one, there's a donkey. That's and right. chapter, it ends with a donkey. It ends with a donkey. So that's... Sometimes-
0: Yeah, so anyway, so many more things that we could talk about, but we're coming up on a full hour
1: of podcasting (laughs) You're probably getting tired of listening. (laughs) Well,
0: hopefully you know how to stop and start at your leisure. (laughs) Well, we thank you so much for joining us today in this episode of uh, Beauty and the Arts. I've had a lot of fun. Thank you, Ray, so much for joining me for this series. Thank you for having me. It's been wonderful. And I look forward to Silver Chair. Yes. All right. So until we meet again, I pray that the Lord would bless you and keep you. I pray that he would make his face shine upon you.